Chapter Twenty Four of Virgin Soil, Volume Two by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Before dinner, Sipyagin called his wife aside into the library. He wanted to have a talk with her alone. He seemed worried. He told her that the factory was distinctly coming to grief. That this man Solomon struck him as a very capable fellow, though a trifle abrupt and that they must continue to be au petit soin with him. Ah, if we could only persuade him to come, what a good thing it would be, he repeated twice. Sipiagin was much irritated at Kalomietsev's presence. The devil brought him. He sees nihilists on every side, and thinks of nothing but suppressing them. He's welcome to suppress them at home. He positively can't hold his tongue. Valentina Mialovna observed that she would be delighted to be au petit soin with this new guest, only he seemed not to care for these petits soins and not to notice them not that he was rude but very cool in a sort of way which was extremely remarkable in a man du commun never mind do your best sipyagin besought her valentina mialovna promised to do her best and she did do her best she began by talking on tete-a-tete to kalomietsev there is no knowing what she said to him but he came to table with the air of a man who has undertaken to be discreet and submissive, whatever he may have to listen to. This opportune resignation gave his whole bearing a shade of slight melancholy. But what dignity! Oh, what dignity there was in every one of his movements! Valentina Mialovna introduced Solomon to all the family circle. He looked at Mariana with most attention, and made him sit beside her on her right hand at dinner. Kalomietsev was seated on her left. As he unfolded his napkin, he pursed up his face with a smile that seemed to say, Come now, let us go through our little farce. Sipyagin sat facing him and with some anxiety kept an eye on him. By Madame Sipyagin's rearrangement of the seats at table, Neshtanov was placed not beside Mariana, but between Anna Zaharovna and Sipyagin. Mariana found her card, for the dinner was a ceremonious affair, on the dinner napkin between Kalomietsev and Kolya. The dinner was served in great style. There was even a menu. A decorated card lay beside each knife and fork. Immediately after the soup, Sipyagin turned the conversation again on his factory and on manufacturing industry in Russia generally. Solomin, after his habit, answered very briefly. As soon as he began to speak, Mariana's eyes were fastened upon him. Kalomietsev, as he sat beside her, had begun by addressing various compliments to her seeing that he had been specially begged not to provoke an argument but she was not listening to him and indeed he uttered these civilities in a half-hearted fashion to satisfy his conscience he realized that there was some barrier between the young girl and him that he could not get over as for neshtanov something still worse had come into existence between him and the head of the house for Sipyagin, neshtanov had become simply a piece of furniture or an empty space which he utterly it seemed utterly failed to remark these new relations had taken shape so quickly and unmistakably that when Neshtanov during dinner uttered a few words in reply to an observation of his neighbour, Anna Zaharovna, Sipyagin looked round wonderingly as though asking himself, where does that sound come from? Obviously Sipyagin possessed some of the characteristics that distinguish Russians of the very highest position. After the fish, Valentina Mialovna, who for her part had been lavishing all her arts and graces on her right, that is, on Solomin, remarked in English to her husband across the table that our guest drinks no wine, perhaps he would like beer. 
Sipiagin called loudly for ale, while Solomon turning quietly to Valentina Mihalovna said, You don't know, madam, I expect, that I spent over two years in England and can understand and speak English. I tell you this in case you might want to speak of something private before me. Valentina Mihalovna laughed and began to assure him this precaution was quite unnecessary, since he would hear nothing but good of himself. Inwardly she thought Solomon's action rather queer, but delicate in its own way. At this point Kolomietsev broke out at last. "'So you have been in England,' he began, "'and probably you studied the manners and customs there. "'Allow me to inquire. "'Did you think they were worth imitating?' "'Some yes, some no.' "'That's short and not clear,' observed Kolomietsev, "'trying not to notice the signs Sipyagin was making to him. "'But you were speaking this morning about the nobles. "'You have doubtless had an opportunity of studying "'what's called in England the landed gentry on the spot.' No, I had no such opportunity. I moved in a totally different sphere, but I formed a notion of these gentlemen for myself. Well, do you imagine that such a landed gentry is impossible among us, and that in any case we ought not to wish for it? In the first place, I certainly do imagine it to be impossible, and secondly, I think it's not worth while wishing for it either. Why so, my dear sir, said Kolomietsev. The last three words were by way of soothing Sipyagin, who was very uneasy and could not sit still in his chair. "'Because in twenty or thirty years your landed gentry will cease to exist anyway.' "'But really, why so, my dear sir?' "'Because by that time the land will have come into the hands of owners, without distinction of rank. "'Merchants?' "'Probably merchants, mostly. "'How will that be?' "'Why, by their buying it. "'The land, I mean.' "'Of the nobles?' "'Yes, the nobles.' Kolomietsev gave a condescending smirk. You said the very same thing before, I remember, of mills and factories, and now you say it of the whole of the land. Yes, I say the same now of the whole of the land. And you will be very glad of it, I suppose. Not at all, as I have explained to you already. The people will be no better off for it. Kolomietsev faintly raised one hand. What solicitude for the people's welfare, only fancy. Vasily Fedotich cried Sipyagin at the top of his voice. They have brought you some beer. Voyons, Simeon, he added in an undertone. But Kolomietsev would not be quiet. You have not, I see, he began again addressing Solomon, an overflattering opinion of the merchants, but they belong by extraction to the people, don't they? And so? I suppose that everything relating to the people or derived from the people would be good in your eyes. Oh, no, sir, you are mistaken in supposing that. Our people are open to reproach in many ways, though they're not always in the wrong. The merchant among us so far is a brigand. He uses his own private property for brigandage. What's he to do? He's exploited and he exploits. As for the people... The people? queried Kolomietsev in high falsetto. The people are asleep. And you would wake them? That wouldn't be amiss. Aha! Aha! So that's what... Excuse me, excuse me, Sipyagin pronounced imperiously. He realized that the instant had come to draw the line, so to speak, to close the discussion. And he drew the line. He closed the discussion. With a wave of his right hand from the wrist, while his elbow remained propped on the table, he delivered a long and detailed speech. On one side he commended the conservatives, on the other approved of the liberals, awarding some preference to the latter, reckoning himself among their number. He extolled the people, but referred to some of their weak points. 
expressed complete confidence in the government but asked himself whether all subordinate officials were fully carrying out its benevolent designs he recognized the service and the dignity of literature but declared that without the utmost caution it was inadmissible he looked towards the east first rejoiced then was dubious looked towards the west first was apathetic then suddenly waked up finally he proposed a toast in honor of the trinity religion agriculture and industry under the aegis of power kalomietsev added severely under the aegis of wise and indulgent authority sipyagin amended the toast was drunk in silence the empty space to the left of sipyagin known as neshtanov did it is true give vent to some sound of disapprobation but evoking no notice it relapsed into silence and the dinner reached a satisfactory conclusion undisturbed by any controversy valentina mialovna with the most charming smile handed solomin a cup of coffee he drank it and was already looking for his hat but softly taken by the arm by sipyagin was promptly drawn away into his study and received first a most excellent cigar and then a proposal that he should enter his sipyagin's factory on the most advantageous terms you shall be absolute master vasily fedotich absolute master the cigar solomin accepted the proposal he refused he positively stuck to his refusal however much sipyagin insisted don't say no straight off dear vasily fedotich say at least that you'll think it over till tomorrow but that would make no difference i can't accept your offer till tomorrow vasily fedotich what harm will it do to defer your decision solomin admitted that it would certainly do him no harm he left the study however and again went in search of his hat but neshtanov who had not till that instant succeeded in exchanging a single word with him drew near and hurriedly whispered for mercy's sake don't go away or it will be impossible for us to have a talk solomin left his hat alone the more readily as sipyagin observing his irresolute movements up and down the drawing-room cried you'll stay the night with us of course i am at your disposal answered solomin the grateful glance flung at him by mariana she was standing at the drawing-room window set him musing end of chapter 24